with Kathy. And hello! Welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Strykert. I am an actor and comedian and one of your hosts. My name is Aaron. I am also one of your hosts. And Aaron is an actor. He plays characters and gets direction you know from directors. I am, in fact, an actor because every time we come on the po- podcast, I act like I like you. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is my deepest role yet. I'm in really deep right now. Uh, it's a lot of method acting, a lot of training. <laughs> Every time Spencer messages me, I gotta get into character. And be like, "Oh yeah, I should reply, right?" Uh, <laughs> no. Oh god. How you doing, Spencer? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm not gonna lie. I thought of that uh, song yesterday. Mm. Well, I was I was trying to write more lyrics for it. I yeah, couldn't. you prob- probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, I was I was trying to write uh, about like uh, the. Game of Thrones sequel. I was trying mm. to like write more. We need to have somebody that can write songs about our podcast. <laughs> like that's what we really need. We need. That's so- where we need to put the money in. That's yeah. where we need to put the money in. It's not in mic stands that don't just fall into my crotch. No. <laughs> it's, we need to get a songwriter. Fuck equipment improvements. But speaking <laughs> of equipment improvements, we got a wireless mouse. We do have a wireless <laughs> mouse. I, uh, I I'm borrowing it from my girlfriend Siobhan. Mm-hmm. So it was a really big investment on our part. And big, big old investment. All of our listeners in Japan, Brussels, <laughs> Germany, Japan, Brussels, Chile, Peru. Ireland. I don't know if we have one in Peru. We do not have one in Peru yet, but, but soon. But we are the number one English-speaking music history <laughs> podcast in Japan and in Chile. 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 <laughs> That's how uh, white people say it. Yeah. We have a dictatorship in Chile <laughs> over the, 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 the music uh, the music history in English podcast. Uh, yeah, we've really got we've got that market. Yeah, we got it cornered. Yeah, I just I just thought dictators because of our previous conversation, which <laughs> we do not want to have any issues going forward no. with any foreign countries. I would like to travel internationally. Yes. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so uh, because we're recording two episodes today, and we fucked up last time we tried to do two in one day. We got drunk. We got too drunk. Yeah. And then uh, we made a mockery out of Mac Miller swimming, and therefore we, we cannot release that episode. Uh, so what we're doing instead is we're having coffee in the first yes. episode, and we're having beers in the second episode. Nice. Uh, what do we have for coffees today, Aaron? Well, I am drinking a venti vanilla sweet cream cold brew with cold foam. And light ice. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am drinking a Vente Peppermint Mocha. Nice. And you know what? I'm sad that it's not a red cup. Why is the red cup controversial? I don't know. What I, is controversial about it? I don't know. It's like, for some reason, Christians were mad at Starbucks for the red cup. Well, news to the Christians of the world. <laughs> You're not the only <laughs> one that drinks Starbucks. So <laughs> that's just a, a fact of life. Yeah, but Aaron, if you ask a Christian, they're the most important. That's true. It is very true. That is true. I grew up very religious. I I, uh, I can attest. I did go to Catholic school. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I grew up Anglican, so nice. I feel you. I nice. feel you. We were like the Catholics, but we, we liked people of color. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> that's nice. No, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's not like completely accurate because I feel like there's a lot of like black churches in the world. Um, but they do tend to congregate together. So maybe <laughs> you know what, now that I think about it more, you might be right. I think I'm right. Uh, I think I'm right. 
But I have no issues with no religions in the world. Once again, we like to travel the world at some That's point. That's true. We do. Um, I don't want to be banned from Vatican City. No matter if you cover your head or don't cover your head, you fight or don't fight, we support everything you do. We do. We support everyone because we are fence sitters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't want to offend anybody anywhere. Um, so whatever political stance you have... <clears throat> Good or bad, <laughs> we agree with we you. We agree. Yeah, you, you're anti-mask. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're yep. you're for masks. Oh, me too. Me too. Me too. Yep. <laughs> I uh, I personally think we should have masks all the time. Yeah. But there should be a hole around the mouth and nose. I think we should just have masks all the time because people are ugly. <laughs> so also yeah, that. Yeah. You know what? And and I will say this: if I was single during the mask mandate. I would have done much better. Well, I happen to look like really good from like here up. So <laughs> <laughs> you cut out this little bottom section of myself and you know what? I'm like, like here down, you know, I'm like, you're like a four I'd say, but up here up, like I got nice eyes. I got a good hairline. I'd say I, I'm at least pushing a seven or an eight. I, I, I would say so. You, yeah. you, you, you got nine eyes. Thanks. Man. You got nine eyes. <laughs> I really appreciate you. That. You got fucking nine wow, eyes. Look at me. I'm, 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 I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing. You're blushing. I am blushing. And you do have blue eyes. Thank you, man. They're nine out of tens. I, I don't even know. I should. I said thank you to that because you just stated a fact. You're like you have blue eyes. I'm like thank you. <laughs> it's like, I knew that actually. Believe it or not, I didn't know I had blue eyes. Um, I was aware. That so. is on my driver's license. Yeah, thank it actually you. is. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. And uh, <laughs> I lied about my height on my driver's license. They put that down too. Wait, really? Yeah, I said I'm five ten and a half. <laughs> Which really means I'm like five nine, uh, but they did they did put five ten and a half. You fucking gave yourself an inch and a half. Yeah. Oh Jesus! I, and I do that Christ. in multiple facets in my life. So, uh, <laughs> See, but like you don't have to give yourself an inch and a half the other way. No, I take it away actually. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, because I was gonna say you're <laughs> you're packing a you're packing a fucking okay. Kielbasa. Stop, stop. We've already talked. You embarrassed me once before. Anyway, Sam's looking at his license. What does it say on your license, Sam? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. I don't know if you ever saw my old driver's license, my Ontario driver's license. No. But this was during COVID, and I had shaved my head. So I had a shaved head, and then I grew, like, the greasiest sash, <laughs> no beard, and I went when I went to get my driver's license photo. I was stupid stoned. So my photo, I look like like I'm, like, peddling drugs. It's actually, like, I would show it to people and be like, that's not you. I'm like, yeah, it was. Believe it or not, that was me. Dude, that's so funny. I, I might still have a picture on my phone. Maybe I'll pull it up at some point. But. I, uh. I my my latest driver's license uh, photo because my first uh, my first Alberta one, uh, I, it looked like Russell Brand's mugshot, mm. uh, and then this last one, uh, she wouldn't listen to me like so I, I you know like you can't smile so I didn't this is the face that I made, mm. and then she's like quit smiling and I was like I'm not I'm not smiling she's like no quit smiling so I'm like and she's like stop smiling so <laughs> I literally went like this. And that's my fucking picture. Is nice, nice. I look like Beaker from <laughs> Sesame Street. I'm just like, is it? The, isn't he on the Muppets? I think. I think you're. He's on the Muppets, isn't he? Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah, they're all relatively. Jim Henson. Yeah, relatively. I mean, same creator. I feel like we're gonna upset some fan bases because uh, the Muppets I find are much more risque. A frog and a pig together. That's, oh my god! You Talk know about social commentary. That is that is true. <laughs> It's, Talk about social commentary. It's very uh, disturbing if you think about it. Yeah. Especially because she's always, like, way more into him than he is in her. Yeah. 
And she's always like, Kermit. And he's like, hey, ho. <laughs> okay, we're both really off. Hey, you and your ho. impressions. You and your impressions. Like, I love that you do them. And you're, you're, you're so willing to bless the world with your bad impressions. <laughs> no, you want to know what's worse? I was, a, I was doing a comedy show this week. Uh-huh. I was hosting. You didn't do your Boston accent, right? No, okay. no, uh, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, oh, the uh, <laughs> sure. There was a there was a comic who uh, went on stage and was doing impressions, and it was like almost like Andy Kaufman esque bad, mm. right? Where you're like, oh, like it's supposed to be cringy, and then they kept going, and you go, oh, never mind. This person just doesn't get comedy at all. <laughs> And then they started throwing out impressions like Cartman from South Park and like like really old stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I should just do my Bill Clinton when I get back on stage. <laughs> you guys like, want to see my Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. <laughs> Here's my James Dean. Like, what the fuck? So uh, anyways, uh, then they did a, 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 a quite possibly the most offensive rape joke I've ever heard. Oh, Jesus. And I was like. I was like, fuck me, because I'm like, I'm hosting, so I have to get the energy back up in the room. So I get on stage, and I was like, wow, that was something, eh? Uh, do you guys like impressions? <laughs> 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 and I, I did... I did Sean Connery and Elmer Fudd together. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) So I I, I heard, I I saw this quote the other day and it actually immediately made me think of you. Um, Not because you're, you're cringe or anything, but it says, you know, don't kill your cringiness. Um, You know, (laughs) like don't kill the fact that you're cringy. Just kill the, kill the part that makes you feel cringe. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you know what? That's something I don't have, but something I really admire about Spencer. And I, I mean that I mean that in an earnest way, and don't take it the wrong way, but I like it is something. I really love I, that you're cringy as fucks. Well, I, I like that I like that you can be cringy and you don't kill your your you've killed your ability to cringe. Yeah. And I yeah. and I admire that about it. I mean I mean in an earnest way, honestly, I I really do. So. I took away the shame. Yeah, that's like what, that, that's that's something I admire about you. I uh, I've definitely shown my dingle dangle on far too many uh, opportunities on screen. <laughs> Still, yeah, and when I wasn't even getting paid for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like you may have been coerced into I, a porno. <laughs> I kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I, I will admit I should have uh, set my price higher. Yeah. As it not free? <laughs> it's like, okay, where do you what do you need price wise on this uh, shoot, Spencer? Mm, I know it's a hard it's a hard deal, but let's start it free. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I have to pay you, I will pay you to do it. Uh, but <laughs> oh fucking hell! All right, speaking of uh, peepees and and dingles. And, okay, this is not gonna be. A, you've already missed the transition. No, this is a good transition. What All are right, you talking go about? Go for it. Go for it. All right, speaking of uh, peepees and dingles, we're yeah. uh, we're reviewing an album. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting for it to tie together. Go ahead. That uh, not a lot of people uh, know about. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably our listeners don't know a lot about it. Oh, actually, before I get into this, I had somebody me- reach out to me and say that they loved our recisode because they loved our recommendations, and they put both in the fucking like circle. So I was like, I like this. They're in their they're in their fucking playlist now. Nice. I was like, we did that. We introduced people to other music, which I think is cool. Um, all right. So introducing people to more music, uh, I, uh, I reached out to this musician yesterday on mm-hmm. Instagram and I, uh, I said, uh, I said, 
uh, that we were going to be reviewing their album and that I really appreciated them as an artist. Nice. Uh, so the album that we are reviewing this week is Bibio's A Mineral Love. Yay! I'm gonna kill some time with Spencer's juggling records. Hey. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. You know what the clap. best thing is? Siobhan did that when we were interviewing Amy Nelson for Alberta Picnic. Yeah. But she dropped Amy Nelson's record. Oh no. <laughs> like Here. she fucking tipped it out. You can reach? Yeah, I can reach. Um Alright, so Bibio's a Mineral Love. It was released April first, twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the seventh studio album by Bibio. It is an uh, experimental indie pop, alt R and B, folktronica. It's got a few genres. It kind of it, it's it's really cool electric electronic music. Yes. Uh, it very prominent seventies, eighties, and alternate R and B sounds, and was described by Pop Matters as a joyous yacht psych fever dream. Ooh, uh, which is a pretty good description. Um. All of the songs on this album are intricately crafted uh, and open up a window into his mind and his place in life at the time. They're they're a lot happier. They're a lot more upbeat. They're a lot more, um, how would I say this? They're a lot more about, like, uh, I guess, finding peace with yourself. Yes. Um, various tones on the album, but regularly upbeat, uh, despite some somber elements. I would say opening track of the album, definitely... Makes you think that it's going to be a a a, a little bit of a uh, calmer mood. Yeah, I would I would agree with that because even once you go through the track, this is my first time listening to this album, and honestly, I was familiar with the name mostly through you. I was familiar with Bibio f- from you mentioning it a handful of times, but this is my first time really taking a deep dive into mm-hmm. an album and listening to his music. So off the start, I, like with pedals, I had a bit of like, a, oh, it's kind of in a similar tone to like a. Like a Bonnie Vera mm-hmm. Folktronica album, like Twenty Two a Million or something like that, where he's combining his folk sound with synthesizers and some electronic elements. Um, but once you go through the track list, it kind of deviates from that. It deviates so cool too, because mm-hmm. it, it starts to like it, it. It's like okay, so the 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 vinyl record, it's a it's a four sider. And each side, it, it, I what I noticed when I was listening to it this week is that each side is a different genre. Yeah. It feels like it feels like the first first side, like up until town and country is all like folktronica town and country is kind of the cusp. And then it goes into uh, uh, more of like, uh, uh, you know, like that late 70s sort of uh, like folk sound, but like with heavy synth. And then it goes into straight up funk. Yeah. Like you got funk and R&B and mm-hmm. it's so fucking cool. Um, OK, so on this album, he features collaborations with Oliver St. Lewis on Why So Serious, which mm-hmm. fucking love that song. It's just like that song kind of reminds me of uh, Show Me Naomi in a way. Yeah. Like where it's got the same sort of like like uh, like, uh, you know, uh, repetition of the lyrics like in the chorus coming through quite often. But it's very, uh, very upbeat the whole time you're listening to it. You're like, ah, oh, God damn it. I can't help but smile. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then he also featured a uh, uh, collaboration with three-time Grammy winner Gautier. Gautier. And this was Gautier's first uh, like track or collaboration out of his uh, like hiatus. Mm. So like after uh, after somebody that I used to know and his album, uh, I, fuck, I forget what it was called, uh, but uh, 
I think it was Magnificent Mirrors. They they uh, once that came out and he you know had this like booming success. You know mm-hmm. he's the like top ten most watched music videos on YouTube of all time. Um, he uh, he took a break, opened up a record studio, and then Bibio reached out and was like. Hey, do you want to collaborate on this? And their entire collaboration happened over email, which <laughs> That's is interesting. super interesting. That is, that is actually one thing about Gautier too. I mean, he is known as one of those one hit wonder type type of artists, but uh, I have, I wouldn't say I took a deep dive, but I've seen other videos of him. He's, and he's doing some, he did a cover of, I can't remember what song on one of those um, cover, you know, the cover me like this, whatever it is. One of those. Yeah. YouTube yeah. Ones. He's very talented. As well, I mean, of course you are if you're a musician, you're successful. But I think he's a little bit overlooked just because he had one really big smash hit. Well, and it also kind of feels like because he was like an indie, like indie rock guy, right? Mm. And so like it kind of feels like that was right around that time when indie and alt sort of started getting popular again. Yeah, and he just happened to be the one that took off first. He hit the sweet spot. There's a couple like in that time frame. I think also like could are very good comparables like i think passenger passenger mm-hmm. uh, is another one that compares pretty well to him where he's got a large catalog of, of music he's a very talented musician but he mm-hmm. only had really one big song to punch through um just because his sound isn't really the mainstream sound that gets played on the radio maybe his one track was but overall you know yeah overall it's like very uh very folk festy yes you know what i mean oh i saw a passenger at folk fest really in Calgary, yeah oh shit yeah yeah he was he was fairly fairly good and then i realized my dad really likes listening to passenger and then i was like i don't know how much i want to listen to it anymore because my dad beat it to death <laughs> Um, yeah, my dad picks an album and he plays it for like three months straight. See, that's one thing that I'm like really happy is that like my, my, my parents weren't really like listen to music repeatedly Mm. people. The only exceptions are, uh, 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 like I think it was the Dixie Chicks album. My mom listened to a fuck ton and my dad, when they got divorced, he got, uh, Shaggy's uh, like like big hit album, <laughs> and I listened to that motherfucking album so much from the time that I was five until like seven years old. I know all the words to that album. I actually love Shaggy. Shaggy's great. Yeah. I watched. Uh, I I I feel like we need to do. I, I was looking at getting a vinyl of that album because mm-hmm. it would be really cool to do it on the pod because there's a fuck ton of cool stories around you, i watched a video it wasn't recently me. yeah i watched yeah. the video on you wasn't me the yeah. making of the song and, yeah yeah and i love angel as well oh yeah show to you my angel you're, you're my, my darling angel more than my peeps you <laughs> are to me baby <laughs> well, life's a big body while you're still young. <laughs> but who's, who's gonna, gonna bring you back when it's all gone? <laughs> I just love Shaggy, dude. The way he comes in like that, it's it's so hard, dude. Your abbreviation, my across a nation. <laughs> <laughs> you are there through my incarceration. I want to show the nation my, my appreciation. appreciation. Yeah. Fuck, I fuck with Shaggy. I fuck with Shaggy. Shaggy came to Newfoundland when I was a young boy. Ooh. And he played a soccer field. It was Ooh. pretty wicked. The Black Eyed Peas played there, too. This is really? like circa 2004, 2005. Yeah. Damn. People that don't know, I'm from Newfoundland originally. Did uh, you get to see that concert? No. Oh. No. <laughs> I think I, I heard. We didn't live far, so you could hear some of it. Um, so you could you could, you could could definitely hear some of what was going on. But. So what you're saying is that you... you listened to a black eyed peas on a shaggy concert yeah when you were a wee boy yeah 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that made me the man I am today. So <laughs> that's pretty Ella Funk. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so going back to Baby O's a Mineral Love. Baby O. Uh, he, uh, the album was mastered by Guy Davy, who worked with the Smiths, Steve Winwood, and Tone Loke, nice. which is pretty fucking cool. I uh, like. Steve Winwood's got a big hit, right? Uh, yeah, Higher Love. Uh, he's got a few. He's got a few big, mm. big bobs. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about the Smiths: they played the Zate House basement. Did they really? They That's played cool. my fucking fraternity basement in the '90s. That's pretty cool. Which I, I was it the '90s or was it the '80s? Because I feel like they were big in the '90s. It might have been the '80s. Yeah. It, it, like, uh, yeah, which is super weird. Um, like, I don't know. Weird living in having lived in a venue that the Smiths played. Yeah, I've. The Smiths are one of those <laughs> bands, like. Um, People either love them or hate them. Well, yeah, and the longer they go on in time, the more Morris he ruins the Smith song. <laughs> <laughs> the more the more he opens his mouth, the more their legacy is diminished. Unfortunately, because I I like their music. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of their music. Not a big fan of the. You know what? Again, I'm separating the art from the artist. Yeah, I like the like the art. He probably fucked in my old house though. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so. <clears throat> the uh, sessions for a mineral, mineral love began in February 2015 uh, because he built a soundproof home studio, which he credits with helping take the album away from the bedroom producer approach of his earlier records. Mm-hmm. And he cited Sly and the Family Stone, Stevie Wonder, Joni Mitchell, Steely Dan, Prince, uh, and BB and Q uh, as influences on the album. That's cool that he found inspiration from Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> throwback, throwback to our Fleetwood Mac episode. <laughs> also another Steely Dan reference. Yeah, yeah, another Steely Dan reference. Man, Steely Dan. Steely Dan, <laughs> they honestly. Not get, they do not get enough credit. They are the music industry is what we're finding out from this podcast. Yeah, there's much more to Steely Dan than reeling in the years and dirty work, so. Yeah. Yeah. Although, those are both bops. They are. Um, okay, so, uh, Why So Serious, the, the song with Oliver St. Louis, uh, was included in the soundtrack for uh, Watch Dogs 2. Oh, that's cool. Which uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting <laughs> little fun fact. Sam is having a laugh about that. It's like it's an interesting... It is. It is a, <laughs> very weird, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, You know, it would make more sense like in, in like a Grand Theft Auto. Now, I have one question for you. Is it... You've said Oliver St. Louis. Is it Oliver St. Louis? I'm just curious. I'm just, it might be. It might be because you called. Them, you, you've said it two different ways. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm just curious. I don't. I don't want to correct you. But okay, so it's Oliver St. Louis. That works. <laughs> Oliver St. Louis. Oliver. <laughs> Please, sir. I want oh, some yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, uh, so about the artist, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about Bibio because uh, honestly, we're gonna talk more. I think about the actual album in this episode than we do about like, like about the music itself than about the history around it. He was, uh, he was very hard to find things even about this album itself. Yeah. Um, just because he's not a massive artist and no. there was not a lot of information on him as a person or the work he's done. No, so I only saw like a handful of reviews when I was looking it up, doing some research. I didn't see a whole lot to really, and he's, he's kind of a solitary dude too. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, he doesn't tour. He uh he doesn't really like playing live. For him, music is like 
him in a studio. And fucking... he collaborates by email. And he collaborates by emails. <laughs> I can't even do that at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're an office away. Can you come in my room and just talk to me? Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I hate the <laughs> I hate the work email. Yeah, it sucks. Um. Okay. So, uh, Bibio born Stephen James Wilkinson uh, on December fourth, nineteen seventy eight in West Midlands, England. He's known for a distinct analog lo-fi sound and for working with a range of genres, including folktronica and ambient, and then later stretching into include instrumental hip-hop, indie pop, electronica, soul funk, and alternate R&B. Something that I think is really interesting that was not on his Wikipedia, but is, I think, very notable, a lot of his songs, he's using traditional instruments that are not like 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 I'm talking like antique instruments like we're talking yeah. like the lute mm. and and uh like weird obscure uh brass instruments he he seems like a very experimental guy just because the way his sound changes from track to track on every mm-hmm. album so that doesn't surprise me I'd say yeah and and he takes a, a lot of time to play around with these instruments get to know them and then fucking uses them for like maybe one track mm. and he'll he'll record the him doing like playing the instrument and then he'll fuck with that sample in uh in post so oh, that's cool. all of his all of his samples are like actually his recordings which i think that's pretty pretty cool i have a um, quick sidebar because you into you mentioned ambient music um, I don't know how often you listen to it, but I have a quick recommendation. I, it's not like groundbreaking. I'm sure some people have heard of it, but uh, Aphex Twins mm. uh, Ambient Collections. Holy fuck, man. That's really great to listen to, uh, especially number three is my favorite track, but it's really, really worth worth a listen if and you haven't. Really fucking good, like, like lo-fi chill. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that's 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 the sort of like, uh, you know, it's it, like it is it is just like it, it's. Pleasant room tone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like listening to Aphex Twin when I need to get some stuff done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, I like a little bit background noise. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. A little, little, little something in the background to keep me going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also make me feel like I'm in a montage of a movie. Sometimes it does make you feel that way. Like you're like floating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, back to Bibio, he developed a passion for experimental music during his time at Middlesex University in London from 1999 to 2003, where he studied songic arts. Uh, his earliest song, Cantaloupe Carousel, which was originally recorded in 1999 at his university residence, his recording equipment at the time consisted of a plastic microphone, a budget sampler, a cassette deck, and a portable mini disc recorder. Uh, that song ended up being on his, uh, his, his debut album, Fi, uh, which came out in 2003. And it's really interesting because like a lot of his, uh, like he, he even back then had like, like, you know, we've mentioned that he's, he's going into different genres and styles and everything, but he has a very distinct tone. Mm. That you can still hear, like underlaid in all of his in, in all of his music, like even going back to like, uh, you know his his uh more folktronica albums, you 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 get the same tone from that as you do from uh Bib Ten that just came out. Yeah, you know, um, so uh, listening to music on Warp Records in two thousand led him to experiment with programming virtual synthesizers in in Super Collider 
which he was introduced to via his uh, university classes. His discovery of Nick Drake and the Incredible Strings Band in 2001 also encouraged him to try fingerpicking and alternate guitar tunings, which opened up a new avenue of melodic expression and serendipity (laughs) and made playing guitar feel fresh and exciting again. He credits these as the happy days of discovery at university, which helped him develop his signature sound. I like Nick Drake, so... I like a, Nick Drake, too. Yeah, that's a nice little shout-out. So. Northern Lights is a fucking really good, mm-hmm. really good song. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, it's good. Um, upon graduating, he left London and returned to Wolverhampton, setting up a recording space in the spare bedroom of his girlfriend's parents' house. I think that's funny for some reason. <laughs> I, uh, he worked part-time while recording music and was briefly a lecturer at Stratford College teaching music technology. After sharing his collection of recordings with Marcus Eon of Boards of Canada, which is a UK electronic group, uh, Eon recommended Bibio to American indie label Mush Records, who signed him, and then he adopted the name Bibio uh, from the name of the black and red artificial fly that his father used on fly fishing trips for trout in Wales. There you go. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was a cool little little uh, little factoid. That's sort of like a <laughs> oddly specific thing to name yourself after, but it's like, <laughs> but also kind of sweet. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just like, what do I want to name myself as a musician? <laughs> oh, my dad goes fishing with this this type of fly, <laughs> fake fly. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so uh, his university recordings from uh, uh, up until two thousand three formed the base of his debut album five released in february 2005 his sophomore album hand cranked was released march in 2006 uh and he continued in a similar style uh on that album his third full-length album vignetting the compost which i fucking highly recommend Mm. it's all like uh it's it's very pitchy i will say this it's very pitchy and it's very like uh very strings oriented uh, but that's an album where he plays with a lot of like uh, uh, like classic instruments, like traditional instruments that you wouldn't really hear anywhere else, and uh, it works really well. Doppelerton is a fucking bop. See, I haven't listened to it, so I'll have to give it a go. It, you you would you would dig. Yeah, you would, you would dig. I trust you. Um, okay, so then uh, released in February two thousand nine, and then. Uh, his digital only EP Ovals and Emeralds followed in March 2009 and explored circus music and the sounds of fairground organs. <laughs> He's really just going for fucking anything that he thinks is going to be cool. Yeah, that's that, that's funny. He does seem to find inspiration from some really wacky stuff, so. Yeah, which I'm like, you know what? Good on you, man. <laughs> I've never well, I've never been to a circus, but I can't imagine going to a circus like, ah, oh, this would sound great on an album. In 2007, he recorded the song Ambivalous Avenue, which he now regards as a milestone in his career. You're so fucking annoying. It combined the lo-fi, tapey bibio guitar sound with weightier beat-based production, finger-picking with jazz chords. It had a Brazilian influence, a folk influence, and a hip-hop influence. Mm. 
And it was a uh, realization of an idea in his head that was trying to come out. Uh, it was a combination he had been tr striving for for a while. Making this track gave him a new confidence and triggered what would become the most prolific period of his life. The song caught the attention of Steve Beckett of Warp Records, who had been inspiring him for a really long time. Uh, Steve Beckett uh, uh, encouraged him to keep recording in that style. He then recorded that track and and kept fucking working on it and the it would end up becoming ambivalence avenue uh the strengths of these recordings signed him to warp records when ambivalence avenue was released in june 20 uh 2009 uh four months after ovals and emeralds he marked the start of a new sound and era embracing vocals hip-hop beats folk and pop song structures uh with guitar uh, that was like funk and soul inspired, mm. and then it was uh, it, it. He regards that as another debut album because he changed his style so much in that time. Uh, <clears throat> now, what I think is really interesting about this, when it came out, uh, Pitchfork ranked it as uh, the thirty third best album of two thousand and nine. Nice, stating it's shocking how utterly and successfully he rewrites his playbook. Uh, some reviewers were more critical, with Drowned in Sound claiming Bibio's tendency to either smooth the edges of his creations into non-threatening abstraction <laughs> or to fail in a zone it, it, on his best ideas is frustrating. I just imagine that person sounds like that. Cause yeah. I'm like, you're, you're kind I of... I think a... the way you said it, it felt right. Yeah. It felt right. That, that person fucking doesn't know music. We know music. <laughs> yeah. They don't. A couple non-musicians. A couple non-musicians. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, that, that uh, album and Lover's Cravings, or Carvings, uh, which was a single on that album. That one was really popular. It was played fucking everywhere. I remember, like, at the time, it was in, like, a lot of, like, snowboard videos and stuff mm. and, like, mountain bike videos. Um, it was 170 on the UK singles charts. That's his highest ranking single. Why? Which is fucking crazy. Because, like, but at the same time, he's not touring. You know, he's... No, and I mean, he does, he does have quite an extensive catalog of music, though. Mm -hmm. He does have quite a bit, so... He's got a lot. Yeah, he's got a fuck ton. That's the done. interesting part because when I was researching, I was like, "Holy cow!" He releases an album, an album almost every year on a consistent basis. Yeah, and it's yeah. either an el it's either a full album or a full EP. Yeah, like every single year. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm gonna skip forward here. We're gonna go to past a mineral love, uh, Phantom Brickworks. Time called it his most accomplished album, which is cool that he's getting Time Magazine fucking mm -hmm. uh, coverage. Uh, and then in 2019, Ribbons was released. This was the album that got me into him. Uh, it's it, it returns to his lo-fi guitar and folktronica. Um, there's a song on it, Curls, that kind of like takes me back to a really weird point in my life. But it's 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 a great song. Like I highly recommend it. But it's weird because I can't listen to that song and not think of that time of my life and that period of my life. It takes you back. Right it takes back. me yeah. back, and it's like it it's like. Uh, it's, it's one of those songs that kind of, uh, in a way romanticizes a part of my life that I maybe was not, you know, the best uh, me I could be. Yeah. It doesn't, 
it feels romantic, but you're you're looking back on something you're not fond of. I have yeah. I have a few songs and periods of my life. I think I can feel very similar to that. Or you know, it takes me right back to when I was in that time, but I also didn't really enjoy that time. Yeah, when I was alive, that, so, that time could fuck off. Yeah, honestly. yeah. I I I think that it made me a better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, having gone through that time. Well, I think the thing about like when you look back on yourself, you. Not to get too philosophical here, but you look back on We're yourself. We're a philosophy podcast. You look back on yourself. The number one <laughs> philosophical music. <laughs> and biology. We, English we do speaking, teach biology. English speaking, shark related podcast yep. in Chile. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, when I look back at certain times <laughs> in, my, in my life where, you know, I don't look fondly on myself as a person, I find I remind myself, you know, I'm not that same person anymore. And that is a good thing. If I stuck that way and stayed that way, I would not be a good person. But the Mm -hmm. fact that I had the ability to grow and change from my mistakes, I think that's really what defines what a good person is. Cause not everybody's been a good person their whole chunk of their life. Oh God. No. If you learn from when you were a bad person and you're able to look at yourself and not be too overly critical and empathize with yourself a little bit, but also realize you're not that person anymore and you learn from your lessons. I think that's truly what self growth is. Um, Yeah. And I think that you can empathize with yourself while also going, man, I was a fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I look back at myself. I was like, why the fuck did I say that? Or why the fuck did I do that? God, there's so many things like I, uh, I, I've, I've, you know, uh, like specifically I'm going to, I'm going to talk about curls for a second because like I was going through a weird like mental health crisis at the time mm-hmm. I had my album loser by choice coming out I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do comedy anymore I was doing well acting wise I was living on my own for the first time though I think that was probably like weighing on me I was in a weird on again off again sort yeah. of relationship uh, it was spring so like that's also a weird fucking time <laughs> like just in general I don't know like I, I don't know personally I don't really get depressed in the winter I get depressed in like March and April that's it's, yeah. like, my fucking least favorite time of year. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I – but I look back at that time and I'm like, okay, here's all the things that I definitely did wrong. Uh, one, not being medicated when I was highly <laughs> depressed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but it's, like, the then I also got to look at the things that I did right, which, you know, like, it, regardless, I got through it, you know? Yeah. So um, – but after Ribbons in 2019, in 2020, he released the 10-track EP – uh, Sleep on the Wings, which I also have. Uh, it was released on June twelfth of twenty twenty. This is a hundred percent a folktronica. Like it, 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 it reminds me exactly of uh, vignetting the compost. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful record, like absolutely gorgeous artwork. Um, which uh, we have not mentioned yet, but he does a lot of the artwork himself. Oh, that's cool. Um, I didn't know that. And he's an avid photographer uh, as well, so he, he, he fucks around with a lot of it. Um, but all music called uh, Sleeping on the Wing, uh, quintessentially Bibio, and spending more time with it is a joy, mm. uh, which I, I, I definitely can, can agree with. Um, Bib 10 was released just this year uh, in 2020, and it's a party album. Ooh. It's it's very fucking like like late seventies uh like it, it's the late seventies vibe it's the late seventies party you listen to it and you're like man I just I fucking feel like I should be wearing like a tweed suit <laughs> you know and 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 like and 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 like harassing a secretary like that's that's <laughs> what you feel like when you listen to that album um but uh. 
I'm going to say this. I was listening to it when I was coming back from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And as we're like coming into our final approach, uh, Cinnamon uh, Cinematic came on. It's like the fifth song on the album. And I'm I, this is my wreck for everyone. When they announce that they're coming into their final approach, put that fucking song on. It works so well with the flight attendants walking down the aisle and checking all the things. <laughs> and then the plane fucking, like, you know, turning sideways and everything. Uh, I was listening to it, and I was like, God damn, this is going to be my fucking ritual now. See, sometimes I, I find it funny, like, when you're listening to a song or a song comes on, and it, like, perfectly – it's the perfect soundtrack for <laughs> yeah. life, dude. I had a moment like this. I think I, – I don't know if you – I can't remember if you were there or not, but I was at, it was at a house party when we were in university – and um, Soul Bossa Nova came on, mm. and I like walked through. We had this. We had a similar story when we talked about Mo Bamba. How, yeah, like, yeah. It perfectly fit the like completely different Soul Bossa Nova <laughs> Mo Bamba. But we were. I was walking through this house party, and people were dancing, and I was a little lit, and it just like perfectly set the mood. Perfectly, like it was really, really like felt like I was walking through a movie, like I was a, like a follow cam going through a movie, <laughs> like a track shot behind me. And then there was people dancing <laughs> one side, people talk, and there's people outside smoking. Yeah, and I like walked through each little space, and it was like it perfectly. Oh, oh man, it's one of those moments that stick out to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that. And anytime I hear the song, I'm like, oh yeah, it takes me right back to that moment oh, where I felt like I was being followed by a camera and everything was, it was the perfect soundtrack to how I was feeling. I like it when you become the main star of your own movie. I know. I love I know. that. I love that. Because um, life can be so monotonous sometimes. <laughs> so. It's the little things that matter. <laughs> it's the little things, I guess, that really just piss me off. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, in total, he's released 10 studio albums, 11 EPs mm-hmm. since 2005. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and then 15 singles and 13 remixes of other artists. Uh, he's also directed a lot of his own music videos, which I think is pretty fucking cool. Um, we're going to like kind of jump through notable track list here really quickly because there was no singles on this album. Like There were, but none of them charted. Uh, uh, Pedals and Town and Country... I would say are my two favorite tracks from the album. Yeah. Uh, I would say like why so serious is up there, but it's like that one is like kind of funky and fun. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 like we've talked about that before. Gasoline and mirrors is really good as well. Um, I like the way you talk with Gautier. That mm. was, that track stood out to me. Um, yeah, that's one of the one that stood out to me. That one that one is a fucking standout for sure. Um, okay, so reception. We're gonna we're gonna get through this pretty quickly here. Uh, it was number nine on the Billboard, uh, U.S. Billboard for uh, dance and electronic albums. Metacritic, uh, like the aggregate score is seventy-seven out of a hundred, so it's generally favorable. Yeah, the the reviews are very weird for it. You know, like All Music gave it four out of five. Consequence of Sound was a B minus, but then Acclaim gave it a five out of ten, mm. which I'm like, all right, fuck off. Uh, like, I, not that I. Okay, look, I think that everyone has their own, you know, preferences, obviously. Yeah. But I, I do find it funny when, like, uh, when there's uh, sounds like this, which are very, I would say, like, yeah, it's distinct. It's experimental. Yeah. It's it's whatever. But it, it feels to me like a lot of times, uh, like, I think that Bibio's work might be, it, it's, it's, it's got its audience now, but I really do feel like in 10, 20, 30 years, 
there's still going to be people listening to the whole album and discovering the whole albums. Mm. Whereas I feel like a lot of, uh, like, albums that are coming out, you know, in the last, like, 20 years, it's singles, right? Yeah, that, so so you, you think that over time he may gain more favor like a more favorable light not yeah. that he's not looked on in a favorable way but he'll get a bigger audience and maybe get a bit of a cult acclaim is kind of what you're getting yeah, at I, yeah okay. i i think that he's i think that he's gonna have like uh he's gonna have like a, a a bit of a you know you know how like in the 80s there was like a lot of alt uh mm. music like uh that at the time was like popular but not as popular as it is now yeah right like you got like like the cure and the f- and fucking talking heads like at the time people were like that's fucking weird but there was still like a big following behind them yeah so over time you'll gain i think that it's going to be like so really appreciated when we over time it- our next ep- well, our episode thirty years from now, we can retouch on this. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm gonna probably be like, you know what? I fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! All right, uh, one review that I want to read very quickly. Just mm-hmm. uh, uh, get through it, and then I think we can talk about it just for a uh, a second because it's a very interesting review. Uh, Pitchfork's Brian Howe said, "Bibio has been doing the same thing for a long time. A little bit of everything." Wilkinson's relentlessness over the last decade to make it hard makes it hard to pin him down, but it also makes it easy to keep listening to the diverse pop uh, pastiches. What the fuck word is that? Um, uh, that have developed out of his more uniform uh, sound collage origins. Mineral Love might be just another turn of the kaleidoscope, but it grows on you. With a relaxed joyfulness that is refreshing over the spat of more laborious records, there is a bit of a pitchy dream folk that always serves as accessible entryway into Bibio's records, like pedals and wren trails, but a pastoral instrumental warbling uh, on a melted record. Most songs were like breakbeats from late 20th century audio and VHS cassettes that never were. Rexaria sounds like the theme music for an unfilmed Welcome Back Cotter spinoff. <laughs> you would be shocked to uh, you wouldn't be shocked to hear Jim Croce singing the Flutie Confection Town and Country, which I actually, dude, if Jim Croce had that would, be that would cool. have been yeah. fucking great. Uh, we also get Peter Gabriel like progressive pop with the way you talk, where Godier's voice uh, meditatively pools in itself. And princely R&B on the Oliver De La Soul feature, Why So Serious? Oliver De Soul. What the fuck? Uh, whoa, I'm sorry. I, why did I say De La Soul? <laughs> ah, that's a different person. Uh, and we wouldn't, uh, which wouldn't go amiss on a Blood Orange album. Feeling is Bibio and the Sunshine Band, etc. It should feel like a music museum, but it doesn't. What holds it all together and brings it to life is Bibio himself, who offers some revealing self-reflections in a note circulating with a mineral love, where he seems to anticipate criticisms of randomness and anachronism (laughs) that he must have encountered before. This is not a purist record. Uh, describing how he approaches different music eras through their remnants in his memory, however misshapen they may be. I think that it sounds to me like a mineral love is a period piece, but that period is now. Okay, now breathe. Yeah, that took a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I also read that review. Um, I agree with certain aspects of it. One thing I, I guess in I can kind of touch on my criticism. I'll touch on it quickly. 
not to go us out of order, but the different genres, I think it's his him him experimenting with different genres throughout the album. It's his strength, but it's also one of the weaknesses I found of the album. Mm-hmm. I found at points it's a little incoherent. Um mm-hmm. Like nothing, I didn't find a connection between all the tracks. Not that all, all all albums have to be that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like on some albums, yeah, it's like that because he has a standout single and it doesn't quite connect to the entire album. But there was nothing there that really, you know, tied it together for me completely. And there wasn't really a standout single. No, and not that I disliked the album, but I can't say I found it extremely memorable Mm. um, just in my like it was a nice introduction to I could say oh yeah I would like to listen to more of his stuff Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't say it was anything that really like gave me the urge to have a re-listen a re-listen and a re-listen yeah yeah Um, but that's just me personally no no no, totally Uh, one thing that I want to mention too is like because this was in 2016 Mm -hmm. right and and we talked about this a bit earlier with like how Gautier was like the the peak of like uh, you know, alt and indie stuff becoming a bit mainstream, right? Yeah, a couple years before that. And right? this is where I think it peaked. Like, this is where, like, it was, like, fucking everything on the radio that you were listening to at the time was, like, 21 Pilots, The Arkells, and, like, it was just, like, it kind of, like, hit that fucking... Mm-hmm. Everything started to sound the same. Yep. And this was, like, that one thing that was, like, a little different, but it was still in that vein, so, like... I think that it probably got buried a bit in that too, mm-hmm. right? And especially because he, like you mentioned, like there's nothing that really stands out as a single, and therefore it's like it's hard to, it's hard to really give it like uh, th- that that taste. Yeah, there's, it's a collection of good songs, but I can't say any of them are great mm. in, in my opinion. Like I think it's a good collection of good songs and good ideas, and him experimenting in different different styles of music but nothing really hit me as great or like i said nothing stood out to me as like even a track i'd you know throw in a playlist to listen over and over again that sort of thing the only the only one i i would uh have to disagree town and country i i listen to that like that is in my like I don't know why, but it's for some reason in every playlist that I've been making the last few years. And I think that part of it is because, like, that's a great walking down the street song. Mm. Like, if I'm walking down the street and listening to that, I'm like, I am the main character of this movie. Also, who did you say introduced you to Bibio? Uh, My friend Jaren. You mean? uh, uh, Jaren! Oh, we did it! We did it! I really was hoping you'd bring it up yourself, but... You know, sometimes things don't happen organically. You know what? I I uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. That actually, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna give a little bit of a side story here. My friend Jaron, <laughs> who we refer to as Jern, uh, when I was in university with him, he, he's a fraternity brother of mine. I started this thing where on my Snapchat and my Instagram story. I would go up to him and I would go Jern, and I would film his reaction. Mm. And he hated it. Oh, he every video he, he looked miserable. He looked yeah. miserable. Yeah. <laughs> then it gets better. So my whole goal was that I was like, it would be great if somebody just randomly did this on campus. <laughs> then people fucking started just doing that <laughs> on campus. So people would walk up to him. He'd be like waiting to go into like the science fucking <laughs> science theater, and somebody would walk up and go churn and tag churn! me in it. 
and uh yeah so uh so poor jern uh i apologize i'm gonna start this trend again and now it's gonna be an even bigger audience if he listens to this episode and he like gets all the way through it then he gets to this part i bet he just fucking shuts it off he 100 will he'll shut it off with his massive pecker he's got a big old dung all right all right to our fun facts uh yeah let's get to our fun facts i uh i i already uh spilled the beans on my fun facts because uh uh i was gonna talk about the the fact that he does a lot of the uh artwork for his own album my fun fact we kind of touched on it that a bibio is like a fly Mm -hmm. but it's a Latin word for a fly that they used to think came from wine. Ooh. It would just grow from wine. Um, so that's my little fun fact. I was like looking up fun facts about Bibio. Sorry, Spencer's rabbits are on crack right now. Yeah, <laughs> his buddies are going wild. They're going a little fucking nutty. Um, but yeah, it's a, they used to think that a Bibio was coming from wine. So that's my little fun fact. Um, I learned some Latin for this episode, so who says I'm not committed to research? You know what? Uh, I like that. And now we have a Latin expert. There we have a go. shark expert, <laughs> we have a brewist, and we got a Latin expert. Latin. 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 Yeah, as a Latin expert, I think it's Latin. Uh, Not to correct you. (laughs) Not to correct you. And I only know one word in Latin and then a bunch of English words that derive from Latin. So I can't say I'm an expert personally. I I would say that you were an expert. (laughs) Stop putting labels on me. Let's just end it there. Okay. Uh, I got to give my criticism as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So mine is that I, I, I personally really like the more Folktronica uh elements like i really liked vignetting the compost i really like ribbons i feel like this is a more like uh, you know it's it's not uh like like we said it's not bad it's 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 a good fucking album but it kind of feels to me like it uh it needs to have uh like uh, more of his his sound do you feel like it's like a transition album where he this is kind of where he starts yeah. going into what he's doing now. It it sort of deal, right? It kind of yeah. it kind of is a transition album and like Phantom Brickworks which is amazing. Like it, it is a really good album. It's a it's a it is 100% a, like a concept album and it's it's really cool because the two EPs that he had that were uh like after that were Phantom Brickworks like I think it was like 5 and 6 or something. Mm. They uh they were also like very different sound. Uh, but then with ribbons, he goes right back to Folktronica. Like it was like, he went back to like 2008, uh, but with a, but with a more distinct sound that, that incorporated the elements from like this album and Phantom Brickworks. So I would say, and then his newest album, very, like, like I said, it's very different. So it, 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 it feels like, it feels like this was, uh, an experiment and it was an experiment that worked really well, but it, there was just. There was just something missing that I couldn't fucking put my my finger on. And it leads on. to better fruit by the sounds of it. Like yeah, it, yeah. It was uh, it was the stem leading to the fruit. It was the stem leading to the fruit. Okay, so at the review. end of each episode, we do a review. Whew. Technical element, musical element, lyrics, reception, album art, and does it hold up? Now, technical element and musical element, I would I would rate those high, but I would rate them high because like I. Uh, it's impressive that he's doing most of it himself mm. and especially like uh, it's mastered by like, you know, Guy Davey who's fucking worked with some of the best and, and he did a really good job, I think, of layering everything. But 
I would say musical element, I would give a nine because of like the amount of work that it would have taken to fucking record all of that stuff and, and for it to sound the way it does. Technical element, I would give it a seven. So that's me personally. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not as keen on it as you are. So I'm going to go a seven for the, the music. And then um, what was the other category? The, the technical. Technical, I'll, I'll give it a six. So I'm at a seven and a six. You're at okay. a nine and a seven. Yeah. So we're Just at we're at a seven now. Yeah. Uh, and then lyrics, I would probably give it like a six. Like, I, I mean, lyrically, it's not. There's nothing bad or, or you know. No, and I would say it's it's on the more favorable side. Yeah. Like uh so I would I would give it a 6. Uh reception unfortunately it's like a reception's like a fucking 6 because it's well actually reception the metacritic 7 uh 77 fuck it I'd say, I would meet, say 7 meet, and a half. No, I meet him at a 6 just cuz just in general. Okay, I'm going to say 7 and a half so we're we're at like a 6.75 right now for Look the at album. That math, dude, that's so fucking impressive. And then uh and then <laughs> album art uh I would give the album art a pretty fucking high number. I would mm. I would I would say it's a 10 on the album art. I I I'll give it a decent grade on the album art too. One thing I mentioned beforehand, I just want to show the audience as well the inside. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever seen Uncut Gems, but it kind of looks like the opening <laughs> scene where they dive into the gems. Um, I don't care much for the title. I mean, the 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 actual art mm-hmm. itself, like it's literally just says the name of the album. So I don't know if I'm giving it a ten. Uh, but the inside is certainly nice. But the front is really nothing special on. I, I mean, I, I don't know why you're giving it such a fat rating. It I'm, literally just says I'm giving it a Bibio, fat rating. A mineral love. I I I'm giving it a fat rating because it's also like the letters are. Uh, around the picture. So, like, you're still seeing, like, the inside album art from the letters. Yeah, I'm going to give it, like, a four. Okay, so album art, we're at, like, seven. Okay, so in total, we're at seven right now. Yeah. And then, does it hold up? Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. Apparently not fucking well. <laughs> That's happened twice now. I'm so sorry. You Spencer. motherfucker. Did I damage it? I hope not. I'm sorry. Um, okay, does it hold up? Um, doesn't hold up in the fucking case of the record. I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's fallen twice now. Um, I'll, I'll give it a. I'll say relatively. Um, we don't really give a score on this one, but yeah, we kind of just go like yeah, or, yay or nay. I mean, like it's weird because like Christopher Cross, like like we mentioned with that, the singles hold up, but the album doesn't. You know, <laughs> like like there's. There's elements that can hold up with a record, yeah. but there's other elements that just fucking can't. I would say that it does hold up, but it's it it holds up in in terms of like his discography. Like it's one of it's it is one of his uh uh like I think more unique records. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't his his distinct like his distinct tone is still in there, but his style is not cohesive throughout. So I would say that it holds up, but it holds up because of like the period that it's in. Yeah, and I'd say like just in general, like you're higher on the album than I am, but I'm I wouldn't say I'm down on the album. I'd say I'm pretty mid mm-hmm. on the album. Um, I think certain sounds of it holds up. And yeah, I, if I uh, going into the future, like I'll give more of his music a a listen, and I'll see how it fits in in the, the whole... Because like I said, you're much more familiar yeah, yeah. with his stuff, um, so you can give a bit more insight on that. So I would I would definitely say, like, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that I would say it does hold up, but it, it 
it is because of where it is in his in yeah, his catalog. Which is something I can't comment on. Yeah. Right? So so out of ten, we got a seven out of ten. Yeah. All right. That I I fucking dig that. Uh. All right. Well. Uh. Thank you for listening. Anal contusions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's Misfits on Vinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.